You are listening to the Mom Halo Podcast. This sweet ear candy will serve up laughs and aha moments as we talk to best-in-class thought leaders. These folks are dropping gems of genius. I'm Melana Kapitz, CEO and founder of the Mom Halo community. I'm a fun, fearless, freckled mom with three wild kiddos. I love to introduce you to ideas and people that will rock your world all while laughing out loud because that is the only way to get through the daily grind of parenthood. Plug in your earphones and let's get to them. Wouldn't it be great to shop online without worrying about the way something fits or if you got the right size? If you haven't heard of Smithery Style yet, you're going to want to. They're an online shop who has made many appearances at Mom Halo events in the past. They not only sell gorgeous pieces that they like to refer to as elevated basics, but their mission is to have women across the country feel confident in their day-to-day from the moment you step in front of your closet to get dressed in the morning. How do they do that? By helping you figure out your body shape, giving style tips for those shapes, figuring out your wow colors, modeling the clothes on real women, and curating collections each season of the best pieces for all different body shapes. Watch their daily try-ons over at Instagram, Smithery Style, or head to their website to figure out your shape now. Okay. okay. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Mom Halo Podcast. I'm your host, Alana Kapitz, and today I have a giant with me in the studio. <laughs> Um, I want to introduce you to Kyla Christine Thomas Thompson Thompson Thomas Thompson, yeah Thompson. God, I yeah. fucked it up. Anyways, there you go. Even though you just told me the full name, <laughs> that's okay. I that's messed okay. it up. Uh, Kyla, you might otherwise know her as Bella Brave, um, the mom of Bella on TikTok and Instagram, who is a very special kiddo with a very rare genetic disorder um, and condition. And they live their life uh, every day um, on on social, and they're fucking amazing. So let's yeah. give Kyla, Kyla a huge round of applause. Woo! Thank you, thank you. Welcome. Thank you very much. This really is so- long, stupid intro that I just messed up ten times. So sorry. I was just going to say that was so kind and amazing. And the same thing that the guy that married us did—I forget what you call them. What do you, like? I don't know. Efficient. They. Um, he did the same thing. We are we are married as Kyla and Lyle Thomas, <laughs> but it's Thompson. <laughs> Thompson. Um, I I I'm so happy to have you here. Can you um tell everybody who you are, where you're from, and what you're all about? Walk us through for for sure. I am I am a mom, made teacher, made medical mom, made content creator. Um, it's kind of like me in a little nutshell and I am in Saskatchewan, Canada, but I hop over to Alberta and Toronto pretty often for Bella's care. Um, so Bella is, she'll be nine in a couple weeks, nine years old and Waylon is four, my little stinkeroos. Um, yeah. And we, we are all about, first of all, a massive medical life that we try and make as fun as possible. Um, and, you know, really just kind of excited with the platform that I have with social media now that kind of came out of nowhere in January of 21. Uh, thanks to my 
my um, amazing TikTok skills that I was just testing out randomly. Um, <laughs> kind of, as they say, blew up. Blew up. <laughs> blew up. And then blew I up. thought, geez, you know, I've been hunkering down, sharing on social media, like Facebook and a little bit on Instagram. I was blogging before, like before 2021. And then um, after we blew up on TikTok, then my my Instagram and TikTok really became a way for me to say, okay, hey, I got a big audience here. How can we do good with this? Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about your gorgeous nine-year-old living in Saskatchewan, Canada with her mom and dad and little brother. She was born with combined immunodeficiency, CSID, Hutchinson's disease, and a rare bowel disease that took the entirety of her colon, her cartilage of her hair hypoplasia and a form of dwarfism. That's what I read about you when I Googled you. Yeah. Hirschsprungs. Hirschsprungs is the, is the bowel disease. Yeah. That's the, that's the main one. That's what kind of started all this. We, we lived in hospital from the moment she was born until she was two straight. That's our, like the basis of our, our start to life with Bella. And, um, yeah, we we never knew. Yeah. Yeah, we went from our local hospital air ambulance flight to Saskatoon. We didn't have a children's hospital in Saskatoon or in Saskatchewan at the time. She was born in 2013. And then and then when um, they couldn't figure out all of her rarities, they shipped us to Calgary. And so we spend a large part of our life at Calgary, uh, Alberta Children's. Um, so she was born with Hirschsprungs, and it's just a real nasty bowel disease that basically is dead colon. So she they just didn't know how much of her colon was dead, like not working, like basically a blockage in her bowels. So they did surgery after surgery and she just wasn't getting better because they didn't know how much to actually take out. They'd take some out. She'd have an ostomy. They'd try and see if it would function. It never did. Meanwhile, after the first 11 months of her life, um, she gets sick with a respiratory, basically the common cold, but she's on oxygen, like a liter of oxygen. And they're like, why, what? we didn't know she had skid, which is zero immune system, no T cells, no B cells. And, um, because our province didn't have skid screening at the time either. So, um, it, we were in hospital in Calgary when I found a large lump in her armpit and they biopsied it and found out she had skid. And then we were immediately put in isolation. And that was after the first year in hospital straight. And then we told us, they told us to gear up for another year because she's going to need to wait for a match, a bone marrow donor match to get a new immune system. And, uh, and then of course there were still complications after that with her bowels and her new immune system. And, and in the background of all of that, we're dealing with her having dwarfism, which wasn't huge threat to her life, like the other conditions. Um, but it was definitely, it played a big part, especially in the reason why she's now listed for a bowel transplant that we've been waiting for through sick kids for just about two and a half years. Um, so she's got basically no vascular access left. She's so tiny with the dwarfism she has, all of her vessels are crooked and short, so they can't get IVs in her. Um, and then from all the previous 24 surgeries, her, all of her vascular access that you can use for central lines was destroyed and scarred. And, um, you need that to get a transplant. So, um, that's where we're at right now, but she, you know, that's, that's, that's summarized, <laughs> um, but oh you God, know, woman. yeah, like, and I mean, the whole reason 
we call her Bella Brave. The whole reason this came about is because year after year, surgery after surgery, trauma after trauma, she continues to come out of everything with this light for life, happy, like excited to go back to the hospital because that's where she's grown up and loves her team, her medical, you know, teams. And she can carry these heavy, heavy loads of trauma that can just completely destroy kids. And she carries it like nothing. Yeah. And it just amazes everybody, even people that don't know her. Yeah. It's fucking remarkable. She's fucking remarkable. Um, Yeah. And I think what's interesting that people don't understand and what I think you just actually paid some tribute to, if you don't mind me riffing a bit is your kid is born with a, with a genetic rarity or you're presented with life-threatening situations that you have very little control about, but then all of these interventions to help correct or prolong or fix or, or, or somehow try to make better the situation often leads to a series and host of so many other challenges. And I think that's something that people don't always get crystal clear is like, you might have this condition or you might have this moment or this surgery. And what you're saying to me, it was like an aha moment in this conversation is like, she has all of these things and she was handed this card that she was dealt, but like compounded with this is like all of these other things that happen from scar tissues and not having access and really needing that bowel. Like we really need that bowel guys. If you're out there and you want to do us a prop, we need that bowel yesterday because, because, because it's really hard to, to, to give her what she needs. Um, additionally, interestingly, because she has so much hospitalization, she's so good about it. Like she's such a cool cucumber. What a, like, think about, I can't even like imagine like what that feels like for her. So walk us through for you a day in your life. Bella goes to bed, you put your baby, your other one to bed and your, uh, your little guy to get to bed, you wake up the next day and and just walk us through the, the beginning to the end of the day. What happens? Yeah. So she's, um, that's a large part as to why I'm not teaching anymore is her medical needs at home have increased to the point where like, I can't full-time teach. Um, and so it's quite a bit in a day. Uh, she's got about 15 syringes of medications and supplements that I try to give her that are timed and have to be given separate from one another. So I, you know, I line up about 10 to 15 syringes in the morning that I put in her G tube at certain times throughout the whole day, mostly like on a school day, it's the morning after school and bedtime. And then, um, you know, as soon as she wakes up, I get her freeze cream on. She has two injections in a day, one in the morning and one at night. Um, and then, so so we'll go through her morning injection, her morning medications. And then every other day I unhook her from her nightly IVs, which is her nutrition IV. Uh, and then, you know, typically she gets ready for school. She'll have her little chore chart that she checks off, brush my teeth, brush my hair, got dressed, (laughs) had breakfast, had my needle and, uh, get her ready for school. And then usually my husband takes her to school. Um, or my little guy will go to day home sometimes. And that's because the bus, like we live in rural Saskatchewan and the bus, um, can't come to our house yet because some, I don't know if this is common in other provinces, but the bus drivers aren't legally allowed to like help the kids on and off. Okay. 
so we're kind of, we're waiting until she's able, you know, for her little brother to go to kindergarten and he's, he can help her on and off the bus if she needs. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, we're working that out. So he drives the kids to school. Um, but sometimes one to two to three to four times a week, we, I pick her up on her lunch break and we have to go to the hospital for blood work, um, to get her to the point from being on 24 hours of IV fluids to nightly three days a week. It means a lot of tracking with what her levels are doing. So it's a lot of blood work we go in for. Um, and then after school, come home, get some homework done, um, get more meds in, uh, and then get ready for her nightly injection and, and TPN. So she, so TPN. So explain to everyone what TPN is. Cause they might not know what that means. Yeah. So if I'm saying it right, it's total, I always call it just PN, but total parental nutrition. So it's basically how she gets her nu- nutrition via IV because her bowels, like she can eat and drink, but her bowels can't absorb properly. They can't function properly. Um, sometimes they dump fluid, sometimes they hold it all in. So she can't get what she needs to grow. Um, and for her heart and her lungs and her body to be safe, she's got to get that via her IV fluids. So it's like a nutrition form just via IV. Yeah. And does she, yeah. does she have a pick line? Yeah. So it's called, hers is called a midline. It's more, yeah. it's close, sim, more similar to a Broviac or a pick. Yeah. Um, but it's in her upper arm. She used yeah. to have a whole bunch. She's had 12 different lines in her chest. Um, and then this one is in her arm and it's special because usually, usually these permanent IV lines are in your SVC, like that vessel right above your heart. Yeah. Hers is all scarred up. And they actually, the last time they, they're like, we need this for her to get a bowel transplant. Um, and I can get into more later what happens if she doesn't get a bowel transplant, but basically we don't want that to happen because if she doesn't have IV access, um, like we can't get peripheral IVs in her. So that's kind of a dev- devastating thing to think about. So this line's very special. And they, and they told me they couldn't find any access. The radiologist, amazing, amazing radiologist at sick kids found her hemizygosis vessel, which is like beside her heart. They never use those for central lines and they found that they could for her. Um, so that's why hers is technically called a midline because it's not typical pick or broviac placement. Right. So for those of you who don't understand, this is a permanent, um, almost implanted um, yeah. external access to your bloodline so that you don't need to necessarily get poked or drawn blood. So it gives you immediate access that's quite yeah. protected. Um, and there are inherent risks with having such a an exposure, but um um, as, as, as we understand about Bella's is that hers is, is located in such a way, um, that is extraordinarily unique as she is. Um, so therefore, and, and this is like for her, obviously life and death, because she has to be able to have access this way. So that's why it's, it's a big, it's a big part of your, of your care plan. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so for people whose like heads and eyeballs are just like rolling at the back of their head, cause they don't even yeah. understand of what we just said. Take us back then about you, you as her mom, you as her caregiver, you as this also dynamo personality. And obviously Bella learns her happy, positive vibe from somewhere and you are a fucking vibe. So there's not two ways about it and how, how remarkable you are and you show up. And I know that can't be easy, but you and I are kind of the 
that way that like we show up, you know, and that's part yeah. of that. how do you do it? Tell me how you, it's your secret sauce for waking up and fucking injecting your kid and dealing with, <laughs> your, dealing with the bus and dealing with hospitals and living in the hospital. Like, you know, yeah, I have my theories, but I want to hear from you. Like, how do you do it? Oh, I want to hear your theories. <laughs> um, you go first. Okay. Podcast. You go first. <laughs> okay. So this is this has been this has been um, in Kyla 2.0 in the making. <laughs> um, you know, I the first year of hospital. Funny enough, like of course, everything was nuts that first year in hospital. I I didn't record a lot of it because it was just basically being thrown into hell, and. Um, just being in hospital 24 seven with my daughter and seeing her being tortured through so much pain and rare disease that nobody in our entire country sometimes at the time knew how to deal with. It was horrific. And that really changed me. I was, um, it was almost like I grieve now for what that PTSD has done to my brain. I grieve what it's done. It's changed me. So I'm, I'm not, you know, the charismatic outgoing, very happy Kyla. I was that everyone knew about me prior and that my friends would say, you know, she's the loud, funny one. I became really not depressed, but really reserved and really like, I couldn't, I couldn't even like talk to someone else who had a healthy kid. It was like, I was so upset with our situation and then it didn't stop. It kept going. She never got better. We were in hospital for years. We still are. Like there was a switch after the first year where I told, you know, I had to take a hard look at myself and And just say, you know what, this is not something that is going to go away. You either need to shut up, quit complaining and do something good with this. Otherwise you're just going to keep screaming and crying and nobody's going to care because people are going to move on. And I, that really took me a good year to say, okay, I need to learn how to manage this and not fix this. And that is kind of where that switch took me back to more of myself, like before this trauma happened, before our first year in ho- hospital with her, my daughter, my firstborn. Um, and then since then, I've really been able to get back to me in, and, you know, and I, but I, like, I still grieve. I still grieve the way my mind could work prior to the trauma and the stuff that we've had to go through for her. Um, but I wear, you know, I wear that medical mom badge with pride because it's freaking hard. And I have a tribe of moms and fr- and friends that are helping me through and I couldn't do it without them. Like yeah. they're definitely my secret sauce. <laughs> you know, um, I have a, an amazing family and group of friends that do amazing things for me and my husband and my son and my daughter. And, uh, and I've just always had that drive. We've been helped in remarkable ways through Bella's medical life. And it has shown me some beautiful things about this world. And I want to be able to give that back. And now a word from our mom, Halo podcast sponsor. 
Who needs superheroes when we have moms? Leanne Kim is my go-to resource when it comes to anything starting or growing a successful side hustle or business. She was my business coach for years and has helped tons of the moms in my community build profitable businesses. Leanne knows marketing and sales so well, and she's helping women just like you change their world with their products and services. Leanne has a program starting as low as $59 a month, which makes her the best investment for new business owners looking to take their dream to the next level. And so I I relate so deeply to everything you just said. Um, I think the difference between you and I is that I came into Henry's diagnosis and I'm still such early days. He's only two and a half, but like I was able to mourn and grieve very publicly and I had that like community deeply near me that helped me and continues to fuel me right so part of what I do and I call it the mom halo because we're we're in each other's like it's Beyonce's halo right like we're here we're here for each other and we're here to really I'm a server I like to serve my community but my community serves me just as much right And often I can be there for the halo. I can be your halo, but often I need to just be a mom. And that's when I find that I get the service back. But um, really having that aha moment when you're like, holy fuck, this is not getting better. Yeah. This is my life. And how am I going to show up? Like, yeah. What choice do I have? And um, my cousin, who's the same age as me, passed away when she was 26 and she had died of cancer. um, And it was very, very tragic. Um, And I remember her saying like, you have, I don't, I didn't know I had the strength until I had no choice, but to be the strength that I am. And that to me has always really resonated. And I know it's one of those cliche shit that people say, Um, but that's what it was. I had no idea how strong I had to be until I had no fucking choice. And you are, we are alpha moms. Like when you are a kid, you have, you have literally no choice, but to show up and be that person. Um, and like you, I'm a very happy, sunny, positive, sunshine demeanor. Um, and folks like us, women like us, caregivers like us, we when we go dark and bad, it's fucking dark and bad, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And it takes living in a hospital and a kid basically being life and death to get us yeah. to a point. Like it's it's really bad. Um, so um I completely res it like everything you just said resonates so deeply. Um, yeah. And for me, what I find with Henry, who also has a lifelong genetic disorder that will is degenerative and get worse as he gets older, um, is that I have solitude. I have I have um, comfort in knowing that I think he's extraordinary, right? Like I think he is. Just the way Bella is fucking extraordinary, right? She is. Yeah, yeah. The gift, like she, her life is a gift of nothing else, right? If it's. Yeah. For- fundraising initiatives or her fucking sass pants yeah or, <laughs> he's a gift henry is, the same. henry is so funny and yeah. so cute and everything this kid does from standing to walk or saying a word or drinking his water like we are enthralled, <laughs> right yeah. so it, i think for me and you also have a typical developing and totally healthy kid like it yeah. really makes me also take pause of my other children and what, and what their lives will look like and who they will be as a result of being the sibling of somebody who is so extraordinary, extraordinary. Right. So yeah, that's yeah. What I'm there. Um, God, God, God. Okay. So um, 
so Bella does this thing. You show mm-hmm. up, you have an extraordinarily support network, which I think all, most of us do. And those of us who don't, and I know there's many folks with complex kids who don't have it. Um, yeah. It's a game changer. So if somebody's listening and they just found out they had a rare genetic disorder, if they just got a diagnosis, if they find themselves that they don't have the natural sunny disposition that you and I have, where we find joy in the silver lining, what do we want those people to hear today? What do you want them to hear? Oh gosh. I want, I want them to, first of all, if you can DM me, I would love to be, I would, I answer all of my DMS and messages personally. Um, you can find me and contact me and I will help you. I love to be an outgoing, like, um, you know, finding those supports for you. If you don't have the energy to find it yourself. Yeah. Um, but I would definitely say, um, find the strength to reach out and, and ask for support. I know it's, it's hard when you're just so exhausted and you want someone to just be able to hand you what you need it. For me, it just never happened. I needed, no matter where I was, I needed to make the phone calls, talk to the people, look online and find those groups that I know could support me or support my daughter and just get out there and do that. And if you can't, throw me a message and I will help you out. I love that. I mean, that's, that's you, right? That sums you up. Like slide into my DMS. It's okay. Super TikTok famous. And that I have millions, (laughs) but if you just need a pep talk, I'm available for like a pep talk to make you feel better about your situation. Well, here's, here's the thing, right? I get, and I'm saying, I guess Instagram messages, TikTok is terrible for messaging. Like don't message me on there because it's like, well, I can't find anything Okay, I need I need to hire someone for that. But but here's the thing: when I get a message on Instagram, and it's from a complete stranger from anywhere, which has happened lots to me, and these heartfelt stories of how they either relate to Bella and I, or they relate to me, and they're struggling with something, whether it's similar or not, and they and they just reach out and ask me, or they say, you know what, this has helped me. It's healing for me. It's knowing that I can help someone is what gets me through. So, yeah, no, I think that's interesting. I, I've actually yeah. had when Henry's first, we learned through his condition, we got there through a cardiac diagnosis. And the first people to reach out to me were like, I have a kid with cardiac issues. Like, here's the community. I'm somebody who finds a lot of, um, like, I love community, right? Like, I love creating community, obviously. Obviously. I also like yeah. the art of community. I love, um, I love like, I love Facebook. I love chats. I love WhatsApp. I love understanding that I'm not going through things alone. And my gut yeah. intuition always tells me like, if I love being part of community, other people love community too. And if you're a joiner, like let's create moments for people to join. And I happen to be wearing my sick kids today. I didn't even know I was wearing <laughs> Um, One of the things I was going to say to you is like, um, there was a few moms who reached out to me early and they were like, I'm here for you. You might not want to talk to me, but I'm available. And I remember having those conversations with a few people whose kids were super, super, super challenged and people's kids who are super, super um, differently abled and kids who are like parents who had lost kids to a similar condition as my kid and not wanting to talk to them and being like, I fucking don't want to be in that camp. And really being like, I am not identifying and standing under the flag that you are standing under because that is not my story. And it took me a long time to be like, that's my flag. Those are my people. I have to stand with these people. And I am now that person for so many people. So I think for me, it took me a long time and it still is 
something where like, you know, Henry's little friend passed away this year oh, yeah. and, uh, from his school. And, and I was like, holy fucking shit. It fucking killed me because I was like, I am now part of a community where kids are going to die. And my son's friends, friends are going to die. Not in the cadence of some random car accident in a public school or a shooting. Yeah. They will die. And these are people that we socialize with and we know their parents. And yeah. that's going to just be like a new um, layer of this whole journey that I just wasn't prepared for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really relate to that. And it's still, I would love any advice and tips. I mean, the first two years Bella was in hospital. I know she was just one and two, but she lost 10 friends. Like we lived on the oncology unit that year. She would be playing with them at the Ronald McDonald house. And the next week I'd have to tell her that they're not coming back. And she recently also had a friend her age with rare conditions pass away as well. And I, I know she gets it because she's older and we've talked about it so many times, but I also like, I would love advice on this because I don't want her to think, I don't know the right way to say it, but I don't want that to be her norm. I don't want her to think that that's going to happen to her kids or like, you know what I mean? I. I want her to understand the extent of it without being so devastated that it affects her functioning. But it's like, it's such a hard reality for them to just have that happen. And like, I never knew one friend that passed away or my friend's friends that passed away. And here we have 10 and she's not even three. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for us as moms, like it's hard not to put our own perspective on these things. Like Henry and Bella are growing up with friends dying. And that's just yeah. going to be the reality. So maybe their perspective of that whole experience will just be such a far departure from what we know as like a typical kid's experience with like how they socialize with other people. So it's really, really tough and it's super nuanced, I think. Um, now you have, because of where you live, yeah, uh, you have access to things and you also have access not to things. And I think for somebody yeah. like me, I live like 15 minutes from sick kids, right? And we, and Henry is so medically fragile and we were there often. Like we are a VIP gold carrying, you know, like frequent flyer. We know every nurse in the ER and yeah, yeah. nurses who work there and they know us by name. Oh, Henry, good to see you again. Mom stopped, like nurses stopped me at the Starbucks. Yeah. Oh, hey, where's Henry? You know, like he really is a household name at sick kids. And yeah. I, I, I want to know from you about some of the life decisions you've made. Yeah. Bella has been either the deciding factor to lean toward or away from something. And I think my, my own question is like, how do you live so far away from a, from a kid's hospital? Like, how do you do that? Yeah. It's, uh, I have a crap ton of support from her teams in Calgary and Toronto. But the reality of the situation is like Bella's the same with Henry. Like it's like at Alberta Children's and a little bit at Sick Kids, but more at Alberta Children's. They're like, oh, this is Bella's hospital. This is her house, you know? And I uh, you know, the the first year we made it home, I've always we love our home. We live on an anchorage, we love it here. And I never wanted to move because out of fear, I never, ever, everyone's like, how are you not living in Calgary right now? Um, and it was just, we were traveling once a month for her six hours, one way. 
to get her to the hospital she needed to be at because our city, the, even though Swift Current's got like 25,000 people in it, we didn't, I couldn't even get her line locked when it needed to be locked. Like they just, they couldn't do things pediatric level. But thankfully, I've had amazing pediatricians in our home city here that have advocated for Bella and trained our nurses and trained our RNs and, and trained the medical staff in our city so that they can do more for Bella that Calgary was doing. Now we can do at home. Mm-hmm. And really the only, we have, uh, it's, it, t- it took some years, but we, we've had huge growth with the communication. Our communication between Calgary and Swift Current is amazing now because um, Calgary is still her primary, but when it comes to sick kids, you know, it's like they have a whole plan in place for when we need to fly there, when we get the call. And that's good and everything. And I, I try not to live in fear of, you know, what if it's a blizzard the day they call? Or what if she goes septic and we need to fly? Because that's happened. It's already happened. And we made it there. And she was okay. And, and I don't know if people look at that as like, oh, you're, you know, flying by the seat of your pants when your kid's life is on the line. But it's not. We have plans in place. Um, to get her where she needs to be when she needs to be there. We know it's been nine years now almost of knowing the signs and and learning what Bella does with her blood work and her fluid levels. We know well in advance if she needs to be in Calgary or Toronto. Um, and the only thing really holding us back right now from like moving and being wanting to be 15 minutes from SickKids is her lifeline, her permanent IV that we talked about. If anything goes wrong with that, and I mean anything, they immediately fly us to Toronto. Um, but again, that's another plan we have in place. Our Swift Current physician, our, our SASC Air Ambulance, um, they are well aware. Um, when this sick kid's doctor says jump, they ask how high, and they just they're just ready to help us out and get us there. So that's made me feel a little bit more comfortable, but like there was a time where, where Bella was really, really, really sick. And we, you know, we just got home from living in Calgary for two years straight where it was terrifying to move home. I'll never forget that. Like that is, that's something people don't really talk about and we're totally going to go over time and I do not care. Um, Oh Yeah. (laughs) I, you're going to go over time and I do not get, um, I got to dollars for blood work though. <laughs> I, I want to talk about that. I think there's two things people don't know. If you are somebody who does not have a medical complexity, which is the majority of our fans and followers and listeners. Um, yeah. and you're, most people are here for, I think, edutainment. They want to be educated. They want to be entertained, but, um, there's two things I think people who have typically kids don't understand. Once you've been admitted to a hospital for a really long time and you, and it has it sort of magic with having around the cloth nursing and people watching your kid all the time and having that support yeah. all the time yeah. and then home and not having the support. And like, everyone's like, Oh, you're home. I must feel so good. And being like petrified. Yeah. Tell us what happened. She's two years old. You've been at hospital for two years. You come home with this extraordinarily complex, medically fragile kid. Yeah. You're on your own. Tell us about that. What did that feel like for you? Take us back. Yeah. You know, it was, it's funny enough. I have a YouTube video about that exact scenario. Um, I worked with a team in Calgary, a filmmaking team, uh, Mike. Oh gosh. I feel bad for forgetting his name, but it's on my YouTube. And, um, I go through exactly what that did to me. And 
it, it paralyzed me for a while. I, I mean, with all the training, I, I was so happy to take the training and be able to handle IVs and handle ostomy and G-tube and everything medical for Bella at home. Um, but there is a type of comfort when you have an RN by your side 24 seven, that is petrifying to let go of. And I had to rely on my own eyes and ears and my, my husband as best he could, but I mean, he had to work, um, to be that 24 hour monitor of your child, knowing that one wrong move could mean life or death for them. Like I don't wipe her central line correctly with Clorox and it gets infected. That's life or death for Bella. Mm -hmm. And having that on me when we got home was paralyzing. I, I was scared that I couldn't function because nobody else could do what I could do. And I mean, it was almost like my husband had to take like a pat leave. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he had to be there by my side, helping me through this transition. Cause it was so scary. And, um, for both of us, um, and basically, you know, the teams, her medical teams on the phone with me every day, walking me through things. If I, um, I would write things down. I would literally, I put posters on my wall of certain scenario symptoms and steps to follow and numbers to call because I wouldn't have the energy to flip through a binder to try and find something. I needed it in front of me, like big flashing lights. Cause my brain was finding it so hard to transition from hospital to home. Um, it took a lot of work. It took a lot of work. Um, but I wanted a life for her outside of hospital so bad because that's all she knew. Yeah. And I was scared. I was scared about that, what that would do to her mental health. So to, what I, I, as we come to the top of this, I have so much more I want to talk to you about. I know. I think we should, we, I think we're going to do an annual podcast. You and can me. we do a part two? Yeah. I think we're going to do, I think we're going to do like a, I think I got to do like a, like a, like an every six month check-in with you and me. Cause we always have such good conversations. Yeah. Um, Walk us through, and I think this is something that people, I'm going to do an Instagram live with this. I'm with my husband. Um, tell us about calling 911. What happens in your family when you call 911? Do you call 911? <laughs> like, how does it even work for you? Do you just have your own VIP line and the helicopter just shows up at your house? Like what, what happens? Okay. So I've, it's funny enough. I've never had to call 911 for Bella. Um, and it's because we've just, we've been in hospital when anything happens. And that is also terrifying in itself when you try to come home from that, because you are in your comfort zone. You are with the teams that know how to fix your daughter all the time. And then an emergency happens. It's like, and then I've seen them struggle, right? Like I've seen her go septic four times in hospital, already struggling with something and they're struggling to keep her alive. Um, I've had physicians tell me it's a miracle she's alive. And I'm like, this is already after being in hospital. What happens if I was at home and had to call 911 and they don't make it there in time? But thankfully, that has never happened. Um, but we do have other sort of VIP techniques that we've used that I think are the reason why I get she's already in hospital when something is wrong, because I'm constantly talking through signs and symptoms of. Bella's medical needs, where if anything is a little bit off, because they know she's so rare and she's so 
for lack of a better word, random with how she medically presents. Um, the smallest thing and, and her teams will advise me to get into hospital and have her checked out by a pediatrician. So, you know, 99% of the time we're just already there. That's really how our life has gone. As crazy as that sounds. It does sound crazy. I was like, I just assumed you had So we have our own complex care, like 911 number, basically. When we say our name or address, we get put to the front of the line in Toronto. And we call 911 all the time. But the first time we called 911 was super scary. And Matt and I, we have a lot of people who've never called 911 or don't know when to call 911. So we're going to do some education around that. But um, okay. I love you so much. I don't even have words. Tell us about what's next for Bella Brave. What's going on with the business? Okay. So we, all right. So our, we have a merch line and it's, it's like our, it's honestly, it's like our side hustle. And I, and you know, my husband and Bella and I created and designed our Bella Brave merch just for support. Um, knowing that I couldn't teach anymore and knowing that there's a lot, I know we live in Canada, but there's a lot of medical stuff that is not covered for Bella. And we really just want people to know that like, we want to share, um, her name and help people share bravery. And we also want them to know that 30, we create it so that when someone purchases Bella Brave apparel, 30 to 50% of that item goes to Bella directly to help her with her medical costs and needs. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a bit of our side hustle. I'm, I'm not as, um, on it, I guess you could say as much as I want to be, but it's mostly because we have so much else going on with our socials and, um, and just the way that we want to share and, and support, you know, our partnership with Ronald McDonald House Charities. And we work quite hard on that and other, and other, um, social media content that we work on, um, that our merch is a little bit of a side hustle, but it, it definitely supports us. Happy <laughs> song. <laughs> I'm just wrapping up. I heard. Okay. So, so, um, we would love for you to, if you haven't already supported Bella Brave, go and check her out on Instagram and on Twitter, TikTok, not Twitter, TikTok. Um, Bella is the most delicious. I'm completely obsessed with her. I mean, it really is. I, my, my hat's off to you, my friend, because her personality and her confidence and the way she just moves through the world is she's a fucking giant, right? Like that's just how she, <laughs> shows up and yeah. that's obviously a huge testament to you and your spouse and to the family and support that you've created. So, um, you know, when I think about our legacy as moms and I think about us when, you know, our end of days and our kids can look at us and people can really, you know, eulogize us to say we, we lived big and we taught our kids to live big, even with yeah. all that they were handed. Um, so God bless you so much. And I'm not a religious person, but <laughs> because I'll just take anyone that I can get. And I, when I think of God, I think of either Alanis Morissette, <laughs> Dogma. That's who God is to me. So <laughs> Alanis is looking down on us saying, isn't this ironic um, that we are sitting here together? And next time you're in Toronto, you better tell me because I will come and bring you something delicious from the city. Um, yes. Yeah. And, um, if somebody wants to find you, can you just drop all your social channels here? And I'll make sure it's all in our show notes. Yes. Yes. For Instagram and TikTok, it's at, Kyla CT and for Facebook, it's Bella brave. And for our website, it's Bella dash brave.com. I love it. Thank you so much for being here. Stay warm yeah. and I will see you really soon. Thank you to all our listeners. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the Mom Halo podcast, I'd love your support by sharing it with others, posting about us on social, or leaving a really good rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at the Mom Halo. Thanks so much, and I'll see you next time. Cookies and Cribs Sleep Consulting helps parents like yourself teach healthy, independent sleep habits from the age of newborn to five years old. Alana Ozeal will teach your little one to sleep through the night, give you and your partner your nights together, and that little break that we all need at the end of the day. Cookies and Cribs will create a personalized sleep plan for your little one to give you the confidence and support each day working together. Book your free consultation today on the website and receive 10% off your services.